Peace, love, knowledge, and freedom, and welcome to another exciting episode of So Frail Conversations. And as you see in front of the ads, you see from the title today, we're going to be talking about implosions. And I think this is a fitting title. Um, low key, had to come to terms with the reality that I think I imploded. I don't think I kind of know I imploded um, within the last two to three weeks. Um, and it wasn't until I realized that. Um, I imploded based off of the circumstances of life that I just kept letting build and build and build and build and build. And I just kept deflecting things and deflecting things. But um, I mentioned it. I kind of alluded to it in the testosterone episode, but um, it wasn't something that I really was aware of at the time of recording that um, about how men implode. And it wasn't until I was, you know, listening to, you know, some of the marketing shit that I was doing and it, one of those clips happened to be off the implosion and um it was like when men implode it's like an implosion happens internally and then it radiates on the outside and nobody can really see it until the like when you have an explosion coming there's signs you feel me that like the ticking time bomb you have the fuse you have so much but implosion because it happens internally nobody sees it and then it's like poof it just comes out and it's like a lot of things collapse and everybody's confused as to what happened. Like, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you do this? And it's like men implode. Um, and collectively, this is what we do as a whole. And, you know, I, you know, I can't give you, I can't give you the lesson without giving you my experience behind it. Um, and it. And I think my brothers, we need to really be in a space where we can address implosions and shit. Um, for me, I didn't realize what was causing me to implode. Something I've learned that we do as men, especially as black men, something that we really do heavily is that we extend our thresholds. We extend the tolerance to our implosion. So it's like we can have an impending implosion and we be about to break down and we'll say, you know what, rather than breaking down, I'm going to extend what it's gonna take to make me break down. That is a different level of willpower. It is a dangerous level of willpower, but it is a different different level of willpower power in its own. And so for a one, I mentioned um, the difference between power and strength and strength is the ability to, or the capacity to go against resistance or opposition until either that resistance or opposition stops or until you give out. So we have a lot of strength in that regard, but the problem is that when the resistance and opposition comes, we just deal with it so much that we extend further. The Like I said, the threshold and the tolerance of what we have. And it nullifies the, the impending implosion. You know, on a subtle level, we do it by saying, yeah, I'm good, bro. Ain't shit wrong with me. I'm good. I'm good. But those are things that I don't think we really sit with and take into consideration. Um. The question, the reason why I'm able, to, I'm, I'm having this episode because, like I said, I've sat with it, you know, and just really sat with understanding um, myself a little bit more. Like I said, I don't, I have no, I, I'm still trying to process what the hell happened to me between season seven and season eight as a person. Uh, but there's a lot of transformative pieces that have been unlocked, that are unlocking, that are making me sit and reflect and say, "Damn." I'm on some other shit. <laughs> and so when I look at the implosions that have occurred in my life, um, just over the years, um, 
in more recent times, I've had, I realized that I was holding on to something that I never really dealt with, and it caused an implosion within me because it made me a workaholic. It made me push and push and push and push and push to achieve something and chase a dream, chase a goal that I never really knew had an end to it. I had an insatiable appetite for something. I couldn't figure out why. And me and my um, big sister, we were talking a few days ago, a week ago, or two weeks ago, some shit like that. Um, it was a decent amount of time ago, but time has been escaping me lately. I, I, I have not had a good conceptualization of time, so much so that um, the last four years are like a blur to me. I've accomplished a lot, but the last four years are a blur. But the people around me are like, bro, it's, it's been four years. And I never really sat and thought about it because it doesn't feel like four years have elapsed until now. And me and my sister, we were talking. And she was like, um, why are you going so hard? Like, wh- what is what are you doing? Like, what is the purpose of you going as hard as you're going? Like, as soon as you find a breather, you do something else. What is the issue? And at the time... I was just like, um, I didn't really have an answer, so I kind of made up an answer for it. And I was like, well, you know, because, you know what I mean, I want to make sure that when I have kids, they're 100% safe and all of these things. And I realized that's one of the reasons why my pops was brought back into my life um, and all of this shit to, you know, as a reminder, like, either way, you're still doing the same thing. You're still doing the same thing that he did. And you're running. And she was like, but what are you running from? I said, I ain't running from shit. And I didn't really think that I was running from shit until I sat down and realized it. And it kind of like hit me as an epiphany. Like I was approaching an impending implosion. And it was because of the death of my friend, my little homie, when I was, I didn't even say little homie, because I respect him as a peer, as an equal. He wasn't somebody that I, you know, had looking up to me. Although he did get advice from me and shit like that. Like I equally learned from him too. But his death changed me and it put me into the mode that that ultimately was going to lead me to my impending explosion, which is pretty much what we're going to talk about today. Now, don't get me wrong. I know my podcast alone, so this ain't going to be a whole episode of me, you know, venting and coming to the process and things. But this is the connection of understanding implosions. You feel me? I didn't. And luckily, I didn't implode completely to where it destroyed me and made me do some stupid shit to myself. But it was at a point where I'm seeing a lot of black men are on it, like suicide rates are increasing, all of these different things. It's like, why? Because we are on the verge of implosions and nobody's seeing it because of everything that is laid on us as black men. But before we dive into that, be sure to check out my website. Uh, be sure to follow me on Instagram, underscore, just underscore, seen underscore. Be sure to check out my website, IamJustSeen.com, to get all things that are just seen. To all those who tip, donate, and sponsor the podcast, you are greatly appreciated. To all those who would like to tip, donate, and sponsor the podcast, you can do so by clicking the link in the description of the podcast. Not this episode, but the podcast itself. Cash App and PayPal are just fine. And as always, that's that for this, and that's this for that. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into so frail conversations, implosions. Shit. Yeah, just so frail conversations, implosions. I was trying to see if I needed to add anything to it. But so frail conversations, implosions. And don't forget to visit IamJustSeen.com. There, you can get all things just seen. You want to add the So Frail series to your library? 
visit IamJustSeen.com. You want to learn how to master the markets for serious trading and investing? Visit IamJustSeen.com. You want to get your hands on some exclusive merch like tees, hoodies, coffee mugs, hats, bags? Visit IamJustSeen.com. Are you thinking about transitioning into the plant-based lifestyle? Visit IamJustSeen.com. You ever want to just chat with Seen about anything from simple advice to mentorship? Visit IamJustSeen.com. Anything and everything that is me, you can find at IamJustSeen.com. So take a quick peek into my world to see why being just seen is nothing less but always more. Because you never really know what you need until you see it. And you will never see it unless you visit IamJustSeen.com. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Welcome back. And before we begin, <laughs> y'all know I like fucking with words, right? Implosion, the art of, not the art, but the meaning of an implosion is when basically it is a combustion on the inside of a thing, right? And it, it it's contained within itself when it, when it blows up, basically. Explosions, you know, they blow up and radiate out. Implosions blow up and they stay inside. It's a totally different reality because as men, as black men, those are the things that are leading to our suicide rates increasing. Those are the things that are leading to our mental health being what it is in regards to, you know, how well we're having to sustain things. And a lot of people don't, they don't really hold us to a certain standard. They, I ain't gonna say hold us to a standard. They don't give us the capacity to prevent our implosions because they put weight on us that makes our implosions an impending reality. The expectation to be a black man. I even alluded to this in So Frail. I said, and I, in hindsight, I can look back and see what I was even doing to my own self and my own brothers um, as far as standardizing what is, you know, elite or what is the top. I said, in my opinion, I don't feel any black man should be anything less than alpha male, Right. I was 26 years old when I wrote that, which is kind of going to tie into all of this episode too. But I was 26 years old when I wrote that shit. And in that, I wasn't speaking from a perspective of here's the burden you have to carry because I wasn't thinking about it. I did break down and so far, everybody's not an alpha. Some people are beta, some people are epsilons. Everything is not about, you know, being that tough because everybody's not that. You feel me? Because then when we look at what an alpha is, is we have a codified structure of what society tells us an alpha is, not the apex version of who we are. The alpha is supposed to be the pinnacle version of your absolute self. You feel me? Which is ultimately how Sofra 3 eventually came up to where it's like, yo, to be an alpha, you have to be an alpha of self. Fuck being the alpha of the world because that's easy to do. The alpha of the world is just a high value man. That's stupid. That's that's. When I say that's easy to do, that's easy. I was an alpha by the time I was seven years old, according to the world world standard. You feel me? So to be an alpha of yourself is a different reality. However, when we're trying to be the alpha of the world, different expectations are put on us, right? I'm coming from a perspective. I talk shit about, oh, going half, going whole, all this shit. But we, I want to have a real conversation right now because there's a lot of things that are being put on us as men that we don't realize are being put on us. And we're just accepting and saying this is what men are supposed to do, not realizing that it's catering to our impending implosion. And nobody sees the time bomb. Nobody sees the fuse that is being lit because it's long. And we might even, okay, bam, like I said, we extend the thresholds a lot. 
lot. And there's two realities that we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with one group of men who, and I'm not mad at the new generation of the alpha high value motherfuckers who pretty much cussing women out and doing shit like that. It's fucked up what they're how they're saying it, but I understand their presentation because they're like, I'm not about to implode. I'm watching motherfuckers implode around me. I'm not about to keep doing it. And we're imploding for women largely in some way, shape or form, whether it be just for sex or for the grand reality of, I need a woman in my life to keep my shit in point, but I need, you know what I mean? But all of it is about what we're taking on internally and what we're holding on to internally as men that nobody sees. Right. So when I talk about my little homie dying and shit, like I ain't gonna say dying, he was killed. I gotta address it for what it is. Like he was murdered. And it was, it was in that, that like it, it, it turned something on in me because me and him, like we were, we were talking about businesses, you feel me, partnerships and shit. Like I realized that Philly was a home for me, but I had to leave Philly once he was killed. I couldn't stay there no more, but I didn't realize why. And I pretty much created a world through the impl impending implosion, I created a world that had to take me away from Philly. You feel me? To where it's like, yo, you can't stay here anymore, bro. It's not going to be conducive to you because every memory, everything you have is tied to, to your relationship with him in some way, shape or form. Because it was when I was going to get into real estate, you feel me? I was going to get in real estate in Philly, like, you know, get multifamily homes, partnership. He was going to be my property manager. You feel me? Um... Like when I wrote uh, Hitting It Raw, when I wrote my Hitting It Raw book, it was like he read it and then he, you know, he didn't necessarily go plant-based, but he tried it and he went and ended up going pescatarian, like started. And it's like he just started, you know, business-wise, started doing LLCs, creating logos and shit. Like he was really, a lot of the shit that he was seeing me do or learning from me, he was applying. And so I was like, yeah, that's a... You know what I'm saying? Now I had other homies and I had other homies too that was picking up and soaking up the game too. And it, it you know, I so I still catered to them. Don't get me wrong. Like it's not like I just, you know, was only focused on him because all of them were in that space in that same pocket. But when he died, it, it it did something because it was like, for one, the first thing it triggered me too was when I was a kid. And, you know, this is a part of the implosion part on my end. Like I had, I had a savage complex. One thing that they try to, one thing that is, in, another thing that is layered that is put on us as black men is that we got to save everything. We are the messiahs of our circumstance, low key. And again, I broke that down to so for a three, a messiah is not a savior, it is a point of ascension. And when you understand that, you understand what it takes to be a messiah, right? So my homeboys, when I was younger and shit, like, I couldn't keep them from going to prison. No matter how hard I tried, I couldn't keep them out of the shit, the the, the street shit that they was in. You feel me? I was in it too, low key, but I, I I was like, nah, I can't do this shit no more. I can't do jail. Jail ain't gonna be for me. Prison ain't gonna be for me. I can't do this shit. But they weren't necessarily like that, and I felt like I failed getting them out, knowing now that I'm older, it wasn't my responsibility. But I took that on, and I took that on because it's like that's what society gives you. As a black man, it's like, yo, make sure you lift your brother up. You do this, that, and the third, and everything like that. So that extreme was what was put on me. So in that moment with my homie from Philly and shit, it was like, damn, man, here I had a, 
before it was different because like, oh, y'all just wasn't listening to me. Y'all just wasn't listening to me. So I ain't really worried about like, you feel me? The reality is the reality, but y'all just wasn't listening to me. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, yo, he was listening to me and, and he died. And he died and he was killed. And it was, it hit me different because it was like, death was too close to me at that point. Death was too close to me at that point. And I wasn't 26 at the time. When he died, I was 27. Was I 27 or 28? I was 28 because I had just walked away from um, Town Park. Yeah, I was 28 years old. So, yeah, it's been four years. So, I was 28. And in that moment, like, mad shit just, just started collapsing. I couldn't even explain it. I got into a car wreck. Um, it was just a lot of shit. And that year, I had gotten into two car wrecks. It was wild. Like, I got into a wreck. Um, I got into a wreck, like, that November, like, 2017. Then I got into another one like just before he you know he died so it was like a, a series of things that just kept coming and happening and so when he died it was just like bad something is like death is coming it's coming and i felt like it was coming for me and that was a burden i don't think i i should have internalized but i did because i like i said having like i had a perfect driver record i had not i've never been in an accident no ticket nothing and i did that since i was 15 years old and then in this moment between 27 to 20, I get into two wrecks in under a year. Like So it was like from November to like July. No, he had died. And then I had gotten into that second wreck where I got rear-ended. And that's when, and right after that, because I remember driving to his funeral with the, the damaged um, bumper and shit, the, the damaged trunk bumper and shit before I got it fixed. And so it was in that moment, like, I was, I think I was good up until I went and seen him in the casket. Like when I seen him in the casket, it was so, it was surreal. And I don't think I've ever really addressed it heavily because it was walking away from it. None of us could really process it because he was so young. He was 20. He, he was just about to turn 22. Like I had just went and, you know, went to the strip club with him, play with, you know what I'm saying? We was went, we, it was for his birthday. Like, you know what I'm saying? I turned up with him and shit. And then he's gone. And it was like, it fucked with me because I was like, bro, we was on some, some other shit. Like, like I said, business wise, we was like, really, I, I really had plans for what I was going to do. And, you know what I'm saying? What I wanted to incorporate with him because it was like, yo, we can, man, we both black men. You feel me? You serious about what you do. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you still had to be refined a little bit because, you know, he was still young, he's still wilding, but he had, he had a solid, a solid um structure on his head. So to see him like that hit me different. And when it hit me, it was like, I have to get everything done before I die. That's all I could think about. I didn't think about, you know, it's just the way of the world. I couldn't think about none of the other shit. All I could think about was like, Grimo, grind, and I simultaneously grind it to keep from grieving. This is why I'm so big on it. It's so frail three and talk about the grieving process and shit, like and getting through it and going through all of those things. And I had and I and I was good at grieving, good at mourning, good going through. But for his situation, I couldn't. I I just 
couldn't bring myself to do it because at the time I didn't have a luxury of stopping. So I was like, yo, I'm about to smoke to keep my mind, whatever. And then from there, it was supposed to be temporary. It was just supposed to be temporary. I was supposed to do it to get a certain, then, like I said, one thing led to another creation. One creation could lead to another one. So it ties back to when my sister asked me, like, what is your urgency? Why are you rushing? And when I look at it, it's like, I have been rushing. Like, I was putting out material content, like, on a regular, like, even down to the podcast. Like, I don't think, not just because it's me, I don't think there's a, or there's a podcaster out there in the game right now who's giving you as much content as I've given you in the time frame that I've been doing my podcast. You feel me? Because it was low-key a distraction, but it was low-key. I got to load the clip. I got to flood it. I got to flood it. You know what I'm saying? Here, motherfucking everything that I did, like mastering the market, like inflating the place, like all of these different things. Like, I got to flood it. I got to flood it. So I tell about being unfulfilled, not necessarily unfulfilled, but by Soul for a three, I kept pushing it back because I was like, I'm not going to know what else I'm going to have to do. You know what I'm saying? What things am I going to have to do? It wasn't that. I, I've learned now that it wasn't that why I kept pushing Soul for a three back. I kept pushing Soul for a three back because it was like, yo, I'm going to have to sit with this shit. I'm finally going to have to sit with this shit and say, you know what? Your, your death fucked me up. And... Because your death fucked me up. It there was there was it, it was only not only his death, but then it kind of resurfaced like coupling it with my, my like him and my grandmother were both murdered. It wasn't they didn't die. It wasn't like, you know what I'm saying, a random occurrence happened, they got sick or some shit like that. No, they got murdered. And it took the same toll on me while I was dealing with my grandmother's, you know, um transition on. I was like get into that process of developing and healing and shit like that. So it was a lot easier, but for him, it was different because it was one of those things where I felt like he didn't live his life. And I felt like it was so close that it was like, I got to, it's different when you have an elder dying, like her getting murdered. That's not the, that, that still fucked me up in its own, but it was like, it was kind of a lot easier to process. Cause like this grandma, at some point I knew that was going to happen either way. You feel me? So it really, it was shocking and it was devastating, but it was like, at some point, we knew that that was going to happen. That's what you can't escape. You know what I'm saying? But for him, it was different. It was different. So those two things started running concurrent. It's like, I'm still putting it all on. But at the same time, and this is where the implosion comes in, as a black man and as black men, we don't have the luxury of stopping to say, you know what? I got to stop. Every moment that I try to take a break or take a breather, I will be reminded you need to grind, not by myself, but by the people around me. You feel me? And the people I was engaging with, like when you see, oh, black man, you got to be like this. You're like, they value mental health. So they say a lot of this shit is on paper. Black man's emotions, black man's feelings, a lot of this shit is on paper and it's for show. Ooh, let me, because it's like, when you come to it, it's like, oh, well, you know, you you can't dwell on it. You feel me? You hear shit like, you know, and I'm not, this isn't, I was already not religious and shit by, the, by this moment. So this is not really what drove me out of the shit even more. But it's like, when you hear things like, 
it fucks with you psychologically. And I don't think people pay attention to this. And this is why I'm big on not saying these words to people. The Lord makes no mistakes. That fucks with you. Allah, God, Jehovah, Krishna, Buddha, well, you know, it works in mysterious ways and all of the, like, you don't tell somebody like that when they're trying to process death. You know why? Because they feel like it was supposed to happen. They think, oh, well, this was on purpose. So why should I even feel this way? Because it was supposed to happen this way. But then when you look at how that person may have died or how that person may have gone through a certain circumstance, it's like, what the fuck could you have done to whoever to make them treat you this way? My grandmother went to church every single day. Well, not every day. You feel me? I'm being, you know, I'm exaggerating. My, my grandma was always in the church, being in the community. Everybody knew her. You feel me? Like, she was, a, like, my grandma was so respected in, in the area that she was in. She can walk anywhere by herself and everybody, they let her go. You feel what I'm saying? Like, nobody was trying to run up on her the wrong way, no crazy shit like that. She was well protected. You feel me? She read the Bible. She went to church. She did everything fucking right. And then you say that wasn't a mistake. Like, you feel me? That was that, like, there was no mistake in that. That was on purpose. Okay. You feel me? My little homie and shit. Like, his situation was a little bit different because, you know what I mean? It was for his situation it was a little bit of retaliation, but it was retaliation on a solid principle. He beat a nigga up. You know what I'm saying? Because of his sister. You know what I'm saying? Dude disrespected his sister. He beat the nigga up. The nigga came back and shot him. Well, we don't know if that's who shot him or whatever the case may be. Let me not say that because it just so happens. I feel like it was a setup. I feel like, you know what I'm saying? Dude called him and was like, yo, come with me. I got to go handle something. So he went with him, you know what I'm saying? Because dude was fucking with his sister. So he's like, I beat you up for my sister, but I still fuck with you because you fuck with my sister, but just don't fuck with my sister. Went with dude and shit. Next thing you know, he got hit in the head. So it's like, how can, like, what was the, how was that not a mistake? You feel me? He defended, it's like, so little shit like that was like, you know what I mean? I didn't want to hear that. Those things are burdening on me. And it's like, it's people telling me shit like that. Well, you know, it's a part of the wheel. You know, we can't question like, why, 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 why? Why does it have to be experienced that way? You feel me? So as men, we hear shit like that. And we're, we're like, anybody's going to hear shit like that. But as men, we have to keep the front up. You know what? You're right. You're right. I'm not going to like, no, it still bothers you. It still hurts you. It still cuts you deep. It's still all of those feelings you still feel, but you got to suppress them because you don't know how to process them. Because we're only allowed a certain amount of time. We're only allowed a certain space to where, oh, well, you can be a man now. Or you can be a vulnerable man. How long is it? How long is vulnerability supposed to last? That's what that's what. As men, we're in this space now. This is what a lot of these dudes that are fussing with the women and going like, be my peace and shit like that. This is what they're not getting. Because they'll tell you, be your own peace or I can be a man's peace. They could be a man's peace within a pocket of time because it's still wired and programmed that a man is not supposed to be grieving that long. A man is not supposed to be vulnerable for that fucking long. But when he is that vulnerable for that fucking long, it's like, yo, something's wrong with him. Nobody wants to check on him and find out what the fuck is wrong with him. But they just want to poke and talk around it. You feel me? I'm here if you need me. Is that really what the case is? Because then when I talk and shit, I'm reminded of how weak I am right now. You know, it's going to be all right, yo. You just got to be strong. I know it's going to be all right. I know I got to be strong, but I'm weak right now fucking now and i don't know how long i'm gonna be weak 
I don't know what it's going to take to make me stronger right now. You feel me? And as black men, we have to face that and eat that shit every single fucking day. And we have, like I said, two outcomes with that. We have the men that says, you know what? As a man, you just got to suck it up and keep going. You have the other motherfuckers say, if you're not going to let me be what I need to be, what I need to be, fuck you. And those are the men that everybody's trying to shit on and get mad at. Like, those ain't real men. You ain't no alpha. You ain't this. I need a man who's going to be. No, you don't want alphas. You want apex predators. That's what you need. Heartless beings. What they're defining as an alpha, like I said, alpha is the upper echelon of yourself. But we're codifying alpha to one thing, which is an apex predator. This is the reason why when they talk about alphas, they always compare it to a fucking lion or a wolf. Some kind of animalistic shit. I'm not a fucking animal. I'm a human. I have feelings. I have emotions and shit. I can't be in that apex all the fucking time. I can't be in a predatory state. Sometimes I need to be in my vulnerable state. And I can't be in my vulnerable state but for so long. This is what we as black men are trying to express to people, but we can't. Because you know why? We're still in the middle of a war. We're still in in the place where we got to be protectors and providers. Nobody's like women or black women are... You know, we need, I'm all for it. Y'all hear who I, how I stand and everything like that. I'm not taking that shit away, but I'm like, yo, at some point, somebody got to look and say, damn, bro, how can the protector protect if the motherfucker ain't emotionally stable? You know, you can't go to war with your emotions fucked up. Nobody looks at no shit like that. If you are in the middle of a war with a, with a fucked up emotional state, you are a barbarian. Barbarians don't think. I mentioned that in Soul for a One. Barbarians don't think. They just act. Warriors are designed to think, learn, and keep growing and, and, and fight strategically. You can't fight strategically when your emotions are out of whack. How the fuck are we going to be good protectors? We can't. You feel me? So now when we ask him to be our peace, be your own peace. And I got to figure out how to be my own peace. So like I said, this ties into that. You feel me? Because prior to him... Him dying, I was dealing with a woman or whatever. Feel me? We we stopped or we stopped vibing and shit. Um, but that was on some stupid shit, how we ended and shit. But like she didn't even have the decency to tell me, like, yo, I'm not fucking with you no more. It's like she's on like either it was either Snapchat or Instagram stories or whatever the case may be. She posts a story because she knew I was gonna see it with another dude in her bed. It's like, damn. <laughs> All right, bro, like. <laughs> All right, my nigga, you feel me? That's what you do. It's like we would like, it ain't like we had crossed any lines or no shit like that. No sex was involved or nothing like that. I'm proud of that shit. Like certain shit like that is the reason why I was like, all right, it is what it is. So it's like dealing with all of these different things. It's like, I'm imploding. I'm imploding and I'm trying to figure out a way not to. Right. So when he was killed, it was like, fuck, I really can't deal with this because I had just become an entrepreneur, 100% self-employed. I had just, and I couldn't sit with, I said, I don't have time to sit and grieve. When you accept the role as the man, as the black man who's going to be that that nigga, we're going to say that. The motherfucker who's the motherfucker. You're going to protect. You're going to provide. You're going to look out for your community. You're going to do all of these different things. You're going to make sure this person's straight. You're going to make sure you got this, the skills for this person. You're going to teach these people. You're going to help them grow spiritually and shit. When you accept that motherfucking role, you can't put that bitch down. That's what they don't want to talk about. You feel me? I accepted that role because it was put on me. 
Did I want it? Loki, I did. I ain't gonna hold you. <laughs> I ain't gonna hold you. Loki, I did, but not in the sense of you know how every like I didn't want it for the cloud. I wanted it because I felt like that was my responsibility as a man to make sure my people straight. To make sure my people straight, it took me watching Judas and the Black Messiah. I watched that about three months ago. Judas and the Black Messiah. It wasn't until I seen that shit that it changed my perspective. Fred Hampton was 21 years old when he died. 20 fucking one. You feel me? Icon. But the most pivotal piece of that entire thing to me was when his girl got pregnant and he was like, but I'm for the people. It was like, wow. Wow. It made me step back and say, am I like that? It wasn't even a question. The answer was yes. I put everything for the people to make sure the people are good because I'm like, yo, we got to make sure the culture is good. We got to put the culture here. We got to make sure this and for fucking what? Mind you, I'm speaking from the painful perspective of acknowledging that. It's like for fucking what? The people don't want this shit. Here I am day in and day out, day in and day out going for the people. And like I said, that registered because when I went back and I looked into the situation of what happened with my homie, like it was like, just focus on getting your shit together. Boom. I got to make this because the people need, we, we got to get out of poverty. So we got to learn this game of the markets and shit. Like, boom, I got to start working on that. Uh, we got to eat better. So I got to learn this shit about uh, uh, the, the hitting the raw and all that shit. Like one day it didn't register. Like I said, my mama was talking to me one day. She called me and then it's like when I, I had came back to North Carolina and shit and we was talking and shit. She was like, yeah, I thought you was on cocaine at one point in time. I was like, what? The f what? what you mean? Thought I was on cocaine. She was like, cause just every time I called you, it was go mode. I got to work, 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 work. I was coping. I didn't even know. Like I had been so wrapped up in the shit that it was like, I couldn't even see it on the outside. Looking in the mirror and still not recognizing, bro, you hurt. You in pain, bro. It's 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 okay. It's it okay. It's a okay to be in pain and heal, but it wasn't okay because nothing stopped. Didn't nobody give a fuck. Like with Kendrick Lamar's Mr. Morale and the um Big Steppers, I think it's the crown. He got a song that was like, um, basically in the song he's saying, Don't nobody give a fuck. That he was like, he was saying, like, yeah, all y'all care about is when my music is coming back out. I could be dead for all y'all know. Y'all don't give a fuck. I took a hiatus off of social media for this very reason. And when I came back, few people, and I fucks with them for that right now. My homeboy Pat, my own girl Tink. Um, that's pretty much it. Actually, like, yo, you good? Cause they, you know, we we fuck with each other outside of the shit. But very few people actually said like. Bro, you ain't been posting in a long time. Everything good? Or, bro, like, it's like, but when I came back, it was like, you know what the fuck it was? Yo, it feels good to see you on my timeline again. Hmm. That's it, nigga. <laughs> you just happy to see me back. Oh, man, my timeline ain't been the same without you. I miss having you here like that. But did you really miss me, motherfucker? Or did you miss what I gave you? Did you miss what I was able to do for you? Did you miss what I had been doing for you? But I didn't even realize what 
I had set I set that standard because of coping, because I was so busy trying to run and distract myself that it was like, if I don't I don't have to focus on the death if I know that there's life out here that people are still feeding off of what I'm able to give. So I'm gonna keep it going. I'm gonna keep giving it to them, keep giving it to them. Now I'm gonna crank up how I'm giving it to them. I'm gonna do the podcast. I'm gonna do all of this shit. Like there wasn't many people that actually like there was in those time frames, I was still helping people heal themselves while still denying my own healing. Ain't that some shit? Literally spending a whole month of time walking with people and showing them how to navigate through the tree. I knew how to do the shit. I didn't want to do it for him. I ain't even going to lie. I did not want to do it for my experience with him. So I kept grinding. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Doing the chat with senior sessions and all of this other shit. I was creating so much shit to say I didn't want to do this, but I can absolve myself of having to do it by helping other people do it. You feel me? And seeing that is like, what burden do we take on as black men when we decide we're going to be the motherfucker of the motherfuckers? Like, there's no if, ands, and maybes about it. We're actually going to lock in and say, you know what? I'm going to be what I need to be for my people. Then you start meeting the people who, yeah, you this. Yeah, you that. Yeah, you this. It's not that it hypes up your ego, but it resolidifies your purpose. I always talk about your purpose being on the other side of your pain. Cool. But at the same time, you have to get to the other side of certain pains. There's still a purpose that is tied to his death that I have not figured out yet. The other purposes that have derived out of that, they're there. I have not figured out the purpose tied to what I'm supposed to bring about with my relationship with my homeboy that got killed. And that is that is largely tied to because I didn't want to face it. And I didn't have to face it if I kept dealing with the life around me. Oh, this person's hurt. Okay, cool. What you need to figure out, you know what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like I was trying to, you know, be in a no and hurt and, you know, and, and make sure I was taking all their burden on. Let me show you how to get through it. I know how to get through my own shit. I just don't want to deal with it right now. Because it's likely going to make me, it's going to kill my ambition. Because that was the only thing fueling me outside of the fact that I knew these things needed to be done, but this was the only thing that was fueling me from the perspective of, hey, bro, look, you got to do something different. You feel me? You got to do something different. And I didn't want to do anything different because I liked low-key where I was at. I liked cranking out two podcast episodes a day. Not a day, but a week. I liked it because it was like, all right, let me get some gems. I don't have to worry about shit. I don't have to think. You feel me? And from there, then just everything that was pretty much in the space. And it was like, as long as I don't do what I need to do, you know what I mean? I don't have to worry about shit. And so, like I said, for four years, that was the grind that I was in. I was low-key imploding. I didn't reach the full gamut of the breakdown um, as far as where I had a mental and emotional breakdown from it. Um, and even if I would have had an emo emotional, I wouldn't have known that that was the source. This was a revelation that had to come to me literally at the time of this recording last night. I was sitting and I was like, cause I was sober. Like I had locked in and I was like, you know what? So I don't have to deal with it and I could just stay in autopilot. I smoke. 
I smoke. And let me say this, right? Um, it was weed, and then it turned into just, you know, regular cigars and shit. Nicotine is a drug. Don't, like, don't believe the hype. Nicotine is a fucking drug. And it is an addictive drug, and it is a drug that pretty much has a very similar effect to uh, to marijuana. It just doesn't get you high. That's the subtle piece about it. And I started to realize how I got caught up smoking because it was like, I didn't meditate anymore. To meditate would be, I was, because smoking and meditation ultimately did the same thing. And I'm going to tell you why. Because whenever I smoked, I thought that it was smoking was calming me down. But what it was, it was allowing me to breathe deeply. It didn't register till I'm smoking. And I'm like, now nah, this is, I'm not smoking cigarettes. I'm smoking full on cigars, no filters, straight cigars, right? So as I'm smoking, I'm like, every time I take a hit, it's like, I breathe as if I would, if I were meditating, but I couldn't meditate because if I meditated, I had to think about it. But when I smoked my cigars, it clouded my brain enough to only say, you know what, focus on what's important. You feel me? And this is what I mean by I'm sober now because I haven't smoked any cigars or anything. My body's now in a witness like My thoughts are clearer because now there's more oxygen to my brain. Scientifically, there's a lot of shit that goes with it and shit. But for four years, I kept saying, you know, I'll stop smoking when I get shit done. But I never realized you'll never get shit done when your impetus is you're trying to run away from the pain that you felt. Feel me? How many of us have gone through that? How many of us as black men are in those spaces? Not just, you know, not even from your homeboy dying or no shit like that, but just the shit that you're experiencing in life and the burden that you feel you got to carry. Nobody understands what it is to be in a space where you live in a world where anything can happen to you. But I still got to be the protector and provider. Like, it's going to fall on me. If a random occurrence happens that I had no control over, it's still going to fall on me as the protector. If something happens to my family, it's on me. Like, forget that I'm a human and I'm subject to the trials and tribulations. I got to make sure I'm 100% on point so nothing can ever happen. Like, that's a burden a lot of motherfuckers don't got to carry. And a lot of motherfuckers don't want to carry. And then the motherfuckers who carry it, motherfuckers don't really look at what it's doing to their mentality. I made reference to this a while back um, on the Best Man Holiday. You feel me? As a man, more Chestnut's character, right? As a man, knowing that your woman has cancer, she's going to die and there's nothing you can do about it. You can talk to every doctor. You can pray. You can hope. You can do whatever it is that you want to do. It's just definite right there. She's going to die and there's nothing you can do about it. But you still got your kids. You still got to be strong. People look at, oh, she's being strong for both of them and she can, she's making it through. She's keeping like, what is it doing to him? When her fight is over, her fight is over. Realistically, not, not on no funny shit. Like if she didn't want to fight anymore, she didn't have to. He didn't have the luxury of not fighting anymore. A lot of men, a lot of black men, we have so much that we have to carry and it's like, we're in this society now. They're like, yo, why are black men acting like this towards black women? Like, like, I made a reference, and this is the reason why I said that shit. They're like, well, black men are the white men of the black community or some shit like that. It's like, well, black women are the white women, too. You feel me? They can do a lot of the same shit that they do. It's covert versus overt. We already discussed that shit, so I don't want to beat that dead horse. But what do you do when it's like all of these things? And then when you get to the point where, okay, you're talking to somebody 
or whatever the case may be, you you bringing up these things, and it's like you don't want to keep bringing it up. As a motherfucker who doesn't like repeating itself, you feel what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to repeat yourself to get emotional shit out, but then when you start to... It's something that I've noticed that black men we experience that a lot of people don't. I'm not even going to say a lot of people because we're talking just about us, but like our sisters don't have to worry about this shit, and they don't even realize they don't have to worry about this shit. We don't have the luxury of repeating the same problem to you. You feel me? We don't have the luxury of repeating the same problem to women that is fucking us up emotionally because we got to figure it the fuck out. Women can vent, invent, 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 invent until they feel better. They can vent, invent, 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 invent until they feel better. Come back days later, still on that same shit. We don't have that. We don't have that because we're going to be reminded and we don't have to be reminded verbally that you're talking about this bullshit again, but we can tell how you check out when we talk. We could tell the distance that you, so it's like, okay, take it in, take it on the chin. I've already expressed it one time. I can't go at it again. Focus, lock in, go. This is why I'm big on that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not big on dwelling on the problem. But at the same time, you got to get your emotions right. If that means taking a step away because you know everywhere you go, nobody's going to, everybody's going to look at you the same way. I've already expressed it. Oh, well, you know, you're going to get like, you're going to get a similar, we're going to, as black men, when we have emotional problems, we get similar problems. We get similar reactions to those problems. You feel me? We get a similar response to each of those problems. If it's our own boys, I'm like, yo, bro, you just got to keep your head up. It is what it is. You're going to hear that all the time. You feel me? When it's women, you're going to get that first dose of compassion that makes you feel like you can do it again. You feel me? Then you're going to get that second time where it's not the same energy, you know, because likely she heard it before and it's like the energy she's giving off is why are you still dealing with this? Third time, she's completely checked out. You don't even want to deal with that shit no more. Or you're going to get the, I'm expressing this and everybody wants to say, well, here's my problem. Or if they're not telling you, here's my problem, what they're giving back to you is, well, you shouldn't have done this or you shouldn't have done that. I don't need that. I need just let me rock. So what you do, you shut down and keep it pushing. You're preparing yourself for an implosion. We sit and we prepare ourselves for imploding moments. And I talk about, like I said, my uncle who had two strokes after he retired because that was the only time he was able to sit and be at peace and not be in go mode. When my uncle tells a story of how he even got to where he was as a, um, in construction and shit like that, I listened to his trauma, right? As a man, my uncle had two kids at the time. Two babies. I mean, when I say kids, I mean baby babies. Like, they're not walking. Like, it's, nigga, what you gonna do? And he's like, yeah, man. I remember I remember days, you feel me? I would just wake up. He said, I'll go. He said, I'll get like 25. He said, I'll find a quarter. This is how raw it was, bro. And it makes sense why ultimately, like I said, he had that, um, those two strokes. But it was all of, it was an accumulation of life because in his early 20s and shit, he was like, yeah, I remember just walking and having to find a quarter. Find a quarter to go to the store to buy some index cards to write his skills on the index card of what he can do and go around to jobs and give his index card out. Say, hey, this is what I can do. This is what I can do. 
They talk about bread pudding. If you if you're not from the south, you probably don't know what it is. But like bread pudding is literally you make a whole loaf with just raisins and bread. Black people are amazing. I don't know how the fuck we be doing certain shit, but like it's like when they made it, I was like, this shit good as hell. He said it's a poor man's meal. Like bread pudding was really fucking good. I don't know, like like it's like I had raisins. Now look, it didn't have raisins in it like them, but it was like really like a a loaf of. They took the bread, broke it down. They added some shit to it, so it's not just bread and it's like hearty and shit. And it was eating bread pudding and shit. But it's like as a man, he has two kids and a wife. And he has no job. It's different. To know that he's finding a quarter. Just like you have, he has to randomly already be walking around and say, oh shit, a fucking quarter. Bam, let me pick this quarter up. Go buy some index cards. Fill out all of these index cards and go around to places and say, hey, here's what I can do. Here's my skills. Hoping they'll call him back. Hoping they'll, you know what I'm saying? And he eventually got into where he started doing construction. And when he started doing construction, he locked in. He joined the union. And then he kept going. It's like, did he ever turn that survival off? No, he didn't. Because what he's always going, what he always remembered was that motherfucking quarter in them index cards. When he moved down to North Carolina after retiring from being in New York, he was like, um, To have that, to let that be one of the leading conversations he had, he's having with me. Like we would have a lot of, like he would have a lot of conversation with me when I was young. He's like, yeah, you a warrior. He said, I see it in you. He was like, you're going to do what you got to do for your family. I see it. He said, don't lose that. And he would, that's when we started again. He's like, he said, some of your cousins, some of your, they don't have what you have. He said, never let that die. He said, that is what's going to get you through. No matter what the problem is, I will figure it out. But I, and I get where he's coming from, but then it's like to know that. When he, when he came down after retiring, he bought his house flat out. He retired and just bought his house because he had his paper stacked and everything like that. And it's like he never forgot that quarter. He never forgot those index cards. You feel me? The women, they tell the story. They're like, yeah, yo, because he was out there all the time. He was just so ambitious. They talk about that shit. But from a man's perspective, nobody can see what the fuck it was doing to him on the inside. The stroke that he had was his final implosion after finally releasing out. Like he could never stop working. He said, after that moment, he said, once I locked in the construction, he said, I never not had a job again after that. I never not had a job again after that. He said, I would never do my kids like that. He said, I would never be in that space. And it started with a quarter and some index cards. And he kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. Everybody just, well, that's what men are supposed to do. That's a man for you right there. That's this, that, and the third. But psychologically, what is that man doing that led him to be able to do that? Because all he's thinking about is my kids are going to be hungry. Quarter index cards and bread pudding. That changed his life. That changed him. Changed him in a way in which he went into a mode that he couldn't turn off. I saw myself doing that exact same thing. Hey, bro, for real, though, at some point, we got to stop talking to women about masculinity and start talking to each other about it. And I mean really talk to each other, not as enablers and co-signers, but as men trying to reach the pinnacle of our essence. And that's what the So Frail series does. 
So for a one is the definition. So for a two is the acknowledgement. So for a three is the resolution. If you rock with the Soul Conversations, I can guarantee you will rock with the Soul series of books. So visit IamJustSeen.com right now so you can add the series to your library. I promise you will never look at masculinity the same again. And you're going to stop wasting your time arguing with women about it. This is a conversation that men need to have between men. And it's time we start having this conversation now. I don't have kids. You know what I'm saying? I don't like, but don't get me wrong. But like the C it turned on. I was like, yo, I got to get my shit done. I got to get my shit done. So like I said, when I was talking to my sister, she's like, what are you rushing for? It's a man thing. Gina, you'll never get it. And the reason why you'll never get it, not because, you know, she's a woman or whatever case, but because I'm not able to talk about it. And when I am able to talk about it, it's not, you feel me? You have a limited scope of what you can actually vent. When men are in our spaces, when we got to vent, when we got to get shit out, we don't have the luxury of getting it all the way out. We get it out until we start to feel the energy of a motherfucker's attention slipping away from us. We feel all of this shit. We have feelings. We have emotions. We are tapped the fuck in. We choose to, you know, put on this role and these masks of I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You're not. You're imploding slowly but surely. And it's if you don't have the capacity, and like I said, those who end up committing suicide, those who end up being suicidal, defining factor between them and a motherfucker like me or something like that was that I just kept creating shit to take my mind away from it. What do you do when you're not creative? What do you do when you're locked into a certain space where you can't allow yourself to release in any kind of way? I, I had the luxury of being able to do jam sessions. I had the luxury of being able to make music and make beats and shit. I had the luxury of being able to write books and create things of that nature to take me away from the shit. But it was to take me away. The goal was to be taken away. Sit with that, please. People think suicidal thoughts are always, I'm going to put the gun to my head. Or, I'm going to pop these pills or whatever the case may be. No, the suicidal thought begins with trying to be taken away from whatever it is you're dealing with. When you realize that nothing is working anymore, not the drugs, not the women, not the liquor, not the creativity, not the businesses, not any of that. When that shit is not working anymore, the only option is physical. That's the final implosion. Why didn't you just talk? Why didn't you just come out and tell us what the fuck was going on? How do you know why, 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 why? I did. I tried several times. You know what you told me? The Lord works in mysterious ways. I tried multiple times. You know what you told me? You got to be stronger than that. You get the, the, the Allah, God, Jehovah, Krishna, Buddha, you get the strongest battles. You feel me? It's because you're a warrior. because that's what men have to go through. Because, you know, we ain't got the luxury shit. And then you get you coward motherfuckers and shit. Let me not. I'm, I'm being emotional right now. You get these motherfuckers on social media who are completely not talking about that side of it. And they're, oh, I'm an alpha. Hear me roar. I go to the gym. I work out. I do all these things. How are you dealing with your emotional space right now? Because that's just not alpha, buddy. That's just not alpha. When you can come and just try to keep, when you're release to be taken away is what you can do for other people and how you can continually that's how the podcast 
space blew up so fast. I'm not going to say that these men are suicidal. I'm not going to say they ever contemplated blowing their motherfucking brains out. I'm not going to say they even attempted the shit. But what I am going to say is they need to be taken away from whatever it is that they need to be taken away from. And they have their platforms to do it now. They took, they got the podcast out of it. We roast, we joke and shit like that. And largely a lot of it is pain that they're getting from women. That's why it's translating like that. I have other pains in this world. I feel like if it were just women that hurt me, I'd have a podcast doing the same shit. <laughs> but I have other things in this world that have done things to me that have held on to me. So it took me away. Like I said, when you look at the other podcasts, they have a theme, a one set theme, whether they talk about relationships. It's usually relationships, masculinity, being an alpha high value man or whatever, all of that goofy shit. They start, they talk about that same shit, give you one episode a week. My podcast, I was talking to my bro, Pat, and he was like, bro, he was like, you really got more than like 200 episodes. He was like, because within your episodes, you have different pockets of that are that can be their own episodes. He's like, you be talking about one thing, break this down, and it segues into something that could be a whole new lane. He said, like, it's multiple levels to what you're doing. It's like, I talk about realms of things. But you know why? Because I'm I'm, I have to take myself away. Again, let me reiterate and let me say this. I'm not suicidal at the moment. I'm not in a point where... I want to kill myself, right? But I am at that point where I need to be taken away. Suicide, because we actually put a word to it, we don't see the steps of what suicide develops into. That's a part of the implosion. Like I said, suicide is the final implosion, the final implosion piece. That's when we there's nothing else that we can do to solve this problem. And they're saying suicide rates on black men are high. Why? Do you know what expectation is put on a black man? You got to be able to fight. You got to be tall. You got to be able to dance. You got to be able to fuck. You got to be able to cook. You got to be able to clean. You got to be able to do. You have to be God in the flesh. You got to be an entrepreneur. You got to make over six figures. You can't have, you got to have abs. You got to have a beard. You got to have waves. You got to have it like, it's, it's so many different things that you have to hold on to. You feel me? And then on top of that, you have to be the healer for the broken women in your space. Where's mine at? So again, you have those that are, I have to play the role to where I can try to get my healing. So you have these two dynamics. Check out the podcast space. You have the men that are, I'm going to cater 100% to the women. Because if I cater to the women, they'll reciprocate it back. Nope, they're just going to take from you. They're going to take from you. Then you have the ones that know, okay, they're just going to take from me. Fuck these bitches. I'm going to talk shit about them all the fucking time and get out what the fuck is wrong with me. This pain is coming from y'all. You feel me? I don't blame women for my pain. Cause like I've been hurt by so many different like it's I look at life for real for what it really is. No one single solidarity solid thing has hurt me. You feel me? You feel me? I've been hit by a car when I was a kid. Motherfucker, I got cheated on at one point. I was left by my dad. Like I have so many different pains. I can't say a woman did the shit, but there's a culmination. It all feels the same. 
feel me? Some people only magnify the pain that hurts the worst. I don't look at I don't look at pain as a magnitude thing. It's like, bitch, this shit all hurt. And I don't give a fuck what's what. You feel me? But in all of that, I get to a point where I want to take away. I need to take myself away from something. But I don't have the luxury of doing that. I don't. Nobody has the luxury of doing that, really. Because when you think about it, like, the only time you really had the luxury to heal yourself is when you were in high school, up until high school. So you get all your pain, you better hope it happens then. Because in college, you still got to graduate. When you leave the motherfucker, you can't go. Like, motherfuckers, oh, you're not going back because this, that, and the third. Okay. Um, fuck you want me to do? Like, really, realistically, ask yourself, what the fuck you want me to do? You feel me? When I got my heart broken in undergrad, right, it happened the summer. It happened the summer. And this one of the reasons, I, I love my mama to life for multiple reasons, but this particular reason, she said, you want to take the semester off? I said, nah, because if I stop, I'm not going to go back. That year, when I went back my senior year, I ended up having to take, I had to finish up my, I was on the last year. So I think that first semester, I took 18 credits. My last semester, I capped out at 20 because that's the maximum we can take. I had to do a capstone course. I had to, there was so much shit. There was so much shit that had to go into everything. Everything. And I still had to heal. My homies were still looking like, you know what I'm saying? I still had to be seen because in that moment, I was I was working as an RA. Again, that same year, I got Distinguished Leadership of the Year Award. I got that award twice. Both of those times when I got that award was when I was in pain. <laughs> I don't think like, I didn't even realize that I was trying to, I was running into good awards. But you feel me? Like, it's like, y'all putting in all of this work. People are knowing me and shit, so it's like I got to keep this image up. I got to keep this up, but on the inside, I'm fucking going through it. You feel me? So I graduated with honors, trying to make sure my GPA straight, trying to make sure. Now I'm also applying to med school. You feel me? Because you had to apply that year before. I didn't. That that was the first time I applied, and I didn't get into med school. I didn't get into med school. Now I'm tying that to the heartbreak, to all of these things, and it's like, fuck, man, like. Fuck, I must do. Like, what's going on? I didn't have the luxury of stopping. Because nobody does. It's like, all right, cool. You know, women, you know, have, because it's an emotional thing. Oh, take your time. You can take your time. Men, it's like, all right, take the time and I get, get the shit back. For women, it's take your time. For us, it's take the time. What is the time? Bitch, I don't know, but you take the time to where you bounce back and get yourself back together. We need you again, motherfucker. You feel me? And we fuck up because as long as we say we good, everybody think we good. Nobody really, it really check like the torment that was that that was happening to me during that breakup. The fact that she got pregnant, the fact that she said that she was gonna name the baby the name that we agreed on naming our first child, the fact that she kept purposely fucking me, talking about yeah, I still got this nigga thinking about me like she was intentionally doing this shit to me. Laughing in my face, saying shit like, you know, when I was telling, I told some of my mom, she was like, yeah, now motherfuckers know that I got pregnant. And, and you know what I'm saying? Now she said, now when I come to homecoming, it ain't going to be a surprise. Wow, you was really going to surprise and they were going to know it's not like you were really trying to do this to me. Like you was really fucking me up, bro. Like purposely. 
You feel what I'm saying? Again, nigga was imploding. Now, I don't condone domestic violence in any way, shape, or form. But I understand. When I see how niggas beat certain women, certain women, certain women. You feel me? I know a guy. His baby mama cut him. She cut him across his arm, almost hit his cephalic vein. Couldn't have killed him. He beat up. Nigga. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that, right? But even more than that, like, when we get to those points where we're dealing with these women who are on that space and in that space and time who are who are pushing us to that implosion level, that's how the implosion comes out. I'm not mad at it. You feel me? Because I understand it. You feel me? I don't condone it, but I understand it. You feel me? I understand it. Because it's an implosion. It's an implosion. Because I've experienced what it takes. I experienced the levels of woman to push you to and you gotta restrain, you gotta practice restraint. I've experienced it. Until you experience it, you can't say no shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Men should never put his hands on a woman. And I still never put my hands on a woman. To where I had to deal with the fact that, like, because she lived in the city or whatever that I was, um, she lived in the city of the college that I was going to. So I was like, yeah, when I, before I check back in, I'm going to stay up there with you. She's going to see this nigga while I'm living there. Before I go and move into my, like, Wow. You really have no respect for me whatsoever. I'm internalizing all that shit because as a man, I still got to eat it. I still can't cry. I still got to, you know what I mean? I got to keep myself up. I can't let myself go. I can't look at the world and say, oh, woe is me. And we wonder why men become suicidal. Because again, suicide, the, the suicide, suicidal part is the ultimate piece of the reality of being taken away. The drugs, the alcohol, the women, all of that shit, that is the first reality. You feel me? It wasn't until first practicing celibacy that I realized that I was escaping through women. I fucked a lot. I even made reference to this, I think it was one, probably one of the last episodes, it's like, when we are not allowed to actually feel good, because you know, Makes you start to have good feelings and shit. You go get lost in some pussy. Cool. I needed to feel good in life. You feel me? I'm suicidal than a motherfucker. Not at the point of putting a gun to my head yet, but I'm suicidal like a motherfucker. So I'm fucking a lot. Cause that's my only release. I didn't want to do drugs. You feel me? I smoked weed, but then it didn't do anything. I drunk, but you know, it was what it was. But then fucking, fucking was fucking. You feel what I'm saying? After the heartbreak, that rebound shit, same thing. This is one of those things. It's like I, I, it, it transcended reality. So as I go back, and then it's like coping with that. Then healing through that part, then going into the situation. Like I said, my grandmother's getting killed. Then my homeboy get killed. Like my grandma got killed in two thousand fourteen. My homeboy got killed in two thousand seventeen. What was it? Eighteen. Two thousand eighteen. Four years back. About four years apart. So it's ones I'm you know coming to terms with and shit. Like ah, oh, the next one hit me. Still ain't processed it. Still trying to deal with all this other shit. And taking it in, everybody keeps saying, you got to keep fighting. You can't sit here as a man. You can't sit here long. Like, do y'all not know what I've gone through? Nobody cares. You're a fucking man. Nobody fucking cares. Not only that, you're a black man. Quit bitching. The fuck? You a god. We was king. We was wolves, nigga. <laughs> but uh, you feel me? Nobody cares. Life don't. 
You feel me? Life don't. Life didn't care. Like, and when people see, you know, people, I talked to, you know, I had a one of my travelers asked me. They was like, "Yo, for people to reach the level of enlightenment that you reached, they had to go through significant amount of trauma." And she asked me straight up. She said, "I'm curious to know what was it that made you this way." And I said, it "Just depends on which one you're talking about." That was the first time a person ever truly saw me. Because a lot of people like, yo, how'd you get here? It's pain, nigga. When you try to heal and you running away from pain or some shit like that, you don't really know how to heal it right. You go through mediums and you try to do shit. I was learning. I was learning how to try to figure this shit out. I was like, yo, this ain't right. So it was like, but then, like I said, there's multiple pockets of time. You feel me? I never processed when I almost drowned when I was 12 years old. Because I got stuck in a sinkhole and like it was just, oh, you're alive. But did you die? <laughs> the fuck? Like that literally, that's what it was. As a 12-year-old boy, motherfucker, but did you die? No, nah, I didn't die. I guess you're right. Nigga, you don't know what it's like to be almost stuck underwater and you fighting for your life. That was the longest. And the crazy part about it, it wasn't that long. I say it couldn't have been any more than 15 seconds. That was the longest 15 seconds of my life. You feel me? There's a lot of shit that has happened over the over the course of our lives and shit as men that because we're boys, because we men, motherfucker, just let that shit go. On Martin, when um Tommy was like, yeah, I cried when I was eight, when he was seven, because he got his hand stuck in the trash compactor. Martin was like, if you was eight, you would have been a punk. How many boys are in pain right now because they think they're going to be a punk? That shit hurt. That shit's damaging. That shit breaks you, but then it just becomes more internal the older you get. It's no longer physical shit that hurts you. You become, it starts to become mental shit. It starts to become emotional shit. And then when it hits spiritual shit, that's when the suicide comes in. It's just like, I got to get away from this motherfucker. You can't get away from you though. Our pains. I talk about this in the chakra part. And so for a three. And in the tree of life as well. But it's like, when you internalize guilt, it becomes shame. Become shame. When you internalize guilt, it becomes shame. And a lot of the pains that we feel, we feel guilty for. So we become ashamed of those pains and we internalize them and they become etched into our souls. We can't run from us. The implosion that leads to suicide is because we cannot run from ourselves. Where the fuck we gonna go? No matter where you go, you are who you are, player. And you could change, but that's just the top layer. When I went to Philly, I didn't try to, I wasn't trying to run this time. When I went to Dominica, when I went to med school, it was, if I can achieve this, it'll wipe this clean. When I went to college, if I can achieve this, it'll wipe this clean. When I went to Philly, I said, I'm going to be myself for the first time. I was me. Nobody knew me, so I was able to start off with a blank slate. I wasn't there to, I, I started there off for the master's program, but then when I was like, yo, when I left there and I stayed, I said, I'm gonna be me. And that's when I was able to start healing and all of this other shit from the past. But then like I said, when my homie got, I couldn't stand Philly no more. Cause everything reminded me of him. 
everywhere I went, it was like, yeah, we hit this spot up, man. We just, we ate over here. Like, damn, it's like, yo, I had to get away. Didn't even know that I had to get away because getting away is a part of suicide. We don't know that. We don't look at that. Like, that's what people, because we put the word suicide on it, motherfuckers don't realize the core of it. The motherfucker had to get away and couldn't go nowhere. Everybody doesn't get the opportunity or luxury to be able to get away. So I'm going to get away forever. Never coming back to this motherfucker. I don't want to come back here again. And we don't realize what we're running from. As black men, we carry that burden a lot. Like The criminal justice system, I say this all the time, the criminal justice system is designed to kill the black man. The healthcare system is designed to kill the black woman. Right? You can't escape. <laughs> we can't escape the shit. As black men, we cannot escape the shit knowing that I had to create a world that I might not be a part of. I had to help build a world that I might not be a part of or that doesn't even want me to be a part of it. I have to be the type of man that, you know what I'm saying? Like when I look at certain relationships and certain situations, it's like, yo, you got to be this. It's like you can't, you can be pro-black, you can't be too pro-black. You can be, you know, esoteric and metaphysical, but you can't be too. Something that I've learned is like everybody wants what I am, but don't want me to be the full capacity of what I am. That's why I created the shit that I do outside of that. Like in, in the creating spaces, a lot of these things where I had to create the space so I can fully be me. And I learned that in just recent times, the reason why I have this time and I wanted to create this time, because I knew I needed to heal and I couldn't do it on anybody else's time. I couldn't do it while punching into a nine to five. I couldn't do it while, you know what I mean, being in somebody's institution. I couldn't do that. Because it's like, I got to smile. I got to show up. I got I can't go to, I can't go somewhere mad. You need to smile, black, angry, black man, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I have a reason to be angry. I have a reason to be angry. I also have a reason to be sad. I have a reason to be disappointed. I have a reason to be frustrated. I have a reason to be devastated. I have a reason to be broken. But in my reasoning, all other people see as an excuse. So if I'm explaining my reason to you, but you're viewing as it as an excuse, you're going to undermine what I'm saying. So as I'm telling you, I'm this way or this is happening because of this. That's no excuse. I didn't say it's an excuse. I said it's a reason. You took it as an excuse and now you undermine what I'm saying. So I know that you're going to take what I say as an excuse. So I'm not even going to tell you my reason is for why I do shit. Because you're going to do something as I'm explaining my reason to make it not a reason anymore. Oh, no, nah, that's just an excuse. You just, no, it's not. Like I was telling, I had the situation where I was talking to the sister and she was like, why black? Because a lot of men scared to get beat up. That's not an excuse. It didn't say it was. I said it was a reason why motherfuckers will not be scared to get beat up. My traumas, my pain, and the shit that I went through made me a violent motherfucker, so I know how violent motherfuckers can get. I wouldn't want to fight a motherfucker like me either. Not because it's me. Because, you know, a lot of people, oh, nigga, I wouldn't want to fight me either. No, I really 
would not want to fight me. I reached the point now, and I've always hated this about myself. Right? It's part of the implosion. We getting deep. I've always hated this about myself of how violent I can be. But I know now why I'm violent. The pain, the 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 feelings of being helpless. I remember, I never forget it. I was five years old. Kid was bullying me. I told that story how I beat him up. What I didn't tell was like, when I went, my brother said, I got to rough you up. He said, because I can't protect you. I didn't get what he meant. We're seven years apart. He can't fight my fucking battles. What the fuck? Like my brother's, <laughs> I'm five. My brother's 12. I'm like, yo, you beat the seven-year-old up for me. No. But because I was so much smaller than everybody, my violence had to be stronger. My violence had to be higher. I had to take it to a whole nother level. I wouldn't want to fight me either. I wouldn't want to fight me either. It was, it's a scary thing when I fight. It's a scary thing when I fight. That's why don't push me to that level. Somebody has to get hurt. And I'm not going to be the one that's getting hurt. And if I am the one that's getting hurt, I'm going to make sure you hurt the way that I hurt. So we're going to fight. We're going to go at it. We're going to fight for a long time. You better hope it ends peacefully or amicably. It's not, though. But you better hope it does. <laughs> but, you know, hope is an assumed certainty. <laughs> My bad. That will forever be funny to me. And when I broke down the etymology of that shit, yo, that will forever be funny to me. But I'm glad I broke the tension a little bit with that. But tying it back in, when Shorty was like, yo, that's no excuse. Man got to stop being a coward. It's not being a coward. Sometimes it's not being a coward at all. Because I think people people think cowardice, people look at cowardice the wrong way. Because to be a coward means that you are afraid of something that you can dominate. To be a coward means that you are making a choice to be afraid of something, right? That's to be a coward. When you have no choice but to be afraid of it, that's not making you, that's not cowardice. No matter what you do, this will fuck you up. So when they say, well, you know, why black men won't, because I've seen crazy. I've seen violent. I come from violent motherfuckers. You feel me? I come from violent motherfuckers. When I was just at my um family with my pop side of the family and shit, like that's the side. We violent motherfuckers. Like literally, we laughing. Like when I say it's crazy how it happened, like we're literally having a conversation. Like the brothers, two brothers are talking. Like my dad and his his brother. He like, man, I'll fuck you up. He said, man, I'll slap you with this motherfucking bottle and bust your motherfucking ass. And then my dad responded to him. He said, I wish you would, you little motherfucker. Now they all drunk. Everybody's laughing. I'm like, we violent as shit. You some violent motherfuckers. And y'all are humoring this shit. Like, y'all are laughing at it. They didn't get that. You know what I'm saying? Nobody wild out like that. But had it happened, everybody had their guns on them. You feel me? <laughs> the very uncle told me, said, bitch, I'll shoot you. And he picked up his shirt said, bitch, I'll shoot you. I'm like, <sighs> when black women say they want to be protected, those are the motherfuckers that are going to be the protectors. But who's afraid of those motherfuckers? Those are the big bad wolves. I happen to be a motherfucker who comes from that shit. I'm not afraid of the big bad wolf. I'm a wolf. This shit just hereditary. Like, you know what I'm saying? Me and my dad, like I said, our relationship is building this shit. First time, he said, you want me to buy you a gun? Nah, I'm good, bro. You sure? All right. You feel me? 
I'm just gonna give you a strap. Like it's like nigga here. The fuck? It's like, you feel me? And we're violent. We're disciplined with our violence. Don't get me wrong, as crazy as it is, as drunk as the motherfuckers get, we still discipline with our violence. You feel me? And that was the thing that I'm trying to say. Women don't aren't taking that into consideration. Some niggas are scared because the motherfuckers who ain't scared, they know how violent they can be. So I don't, I, I've learned not to fear that side of it. But I understand it. Tying it back to the main point of what I'm saying is that was a valid reason why niggas don't protect women. See, women think no man is supposed to be scared of no man. <laughs> That's not the case. That's just the same as a woman not being like, some women won't fight women. So what you like, why? Because, oh, she's a wild. She's like, you don't think niggas is like that? But you think that all men are supposed to be like that because, oh, he goes to the gym. He goes like, like I always say this shit and I mean it wholeheartedly. I don't give a fuck about muscles. Muscles don't get violent. People get violent. Your muscles, can, you can have whatever muscles you want, but I know how to maneuver against you. You feel me? But like I said, tying it back in, since I was a kid, I've been able to get violent. I've been beating motherfuckers up since I was a kid. You feel me? Not realizing it's a trauma response, not realizing it's a response to not having a father, not being able to call on my brother to come do nothing because our age gap is so strong. I was fighting niggas older than me when I shouldn't have been. I was fighting niggas bigger than me when I shouldn't have been. You feel me? But again, those are parts of the implosions. There's so many different things as black men that we internalize and we hold on to that nobody really cares. Because it's like you a man. It sounds good for social media. It sounds good for the podcast and the talks to say, I want a man to be open until he's open. Because you know what you got to deal with? That rough, rugged exterior of a man that you have. that you that, And it's crazy because the men that they want to be vulnerable are the men that are the most calloused. What made us calloused? You really want that vulnerability? Because a lot comes with it. And that's when we're expressing ourselves and we're saying, look, baby, this right here is going on. Oh, here you go with this shit again. Yeah, you want to know why my heart is hard? This is why. There's layers to this shit. It's like a gobstopper. This is why. Are you going to truly listen to what I'm saying to you? Or are you going to keep bitching about, you know what? You need to do this. You need to do that. Like, if I implode, I got to get the fuck away. Wonder, people wonder why men punch shit. You feel me? My motherfucker just say, you know what? I'm going to walk away. That is a, like... Women, if y'all are listening to this, and my brothers, I think I need to start expressing this shit. Like, I'm not saying you suicidal, but if your first response to most shit is to go away, you're on the verge. As a motherfucker who's been suicidal, knowing the steps and the processes up until that point, a lot of people think suicide is just, oh, I'm gonna write this note, I'm gonna do this note. Constantly running away from a situation, constantly having to feel the need to get the fuck away. You feel me? If the ladies are listening and you dealing with a man who's like, yo, y'all are at that point. He just leaves. He just walk out. Don't question that man. Are oh, you about to go see this bitch or are you about to go fuck her? No, I need to get away. I'm getting away. Please let me get away. 
You feel me? You know what we got to deal with with that shit? Oh, who the fuck is she? Like, I remember when I was in undergrad, I had my girlfriend at the time, like, I lived in her room. She had a roommate. I knew her roommate. Then I was like, yo, I can't stay here, bro. Like, you... <laughs> You feel me? You gotta like, it's like, yo, that shit's crazy. She like, I need you here. No, I'm doing it and shit, whatever. So one day I needed to get away. I needed to get away. And cause I had been around her for so long, I needed to be by myself. So I decided to leave. And the first thing she says is, you don't care about me. Who is she? You gotta go see another girl. I said, I'm going to my room so I can sleep by myself. I'm going to my room so I can work on some music. I'm going to my room so I can work, I can watch Dragon Ball Z. I'm going to my room so I can have some time to myself so I can get the fuck away. Still couldn't even get away. Well, I'm coming too. You're the problem. You're the problem. It's not your room I have to get away from. It's you. It's you. And us needing to get away are the precursors to suicide. I think this is all humans, but this is so frail conversation. So, you know, we're talking about us as men. Our desire, when getting away becomes a desire, something's wrong. When you have to get away, you have to get away. Something is wrong. The further you have to get away, the deeper it is. When I realized, when I went to Dominica for med school, my brother's like, yo, bro, how you just getting up and leaving? It's not, it's not hard. It's not hard at all. I can go from here. Yo, how we gonna keep, I don't care how y'all keep up with me. If y'all do, I'm gonna be all right. I didn't care when I went there, when I went to Philly. People, they was really caring about me and seeing like, but I had to get away and I didn't even realize that I think they might've realized that I was on some suicidal shit. Why well, is he, what are you running from? What are you trying to get away from? Some shit I can't escape, but I don't know that I can't escape it. So because we don't have the extreme of, y'all, I don't really feel like killing myself. I don't really feel like pulling that trigger. I've reached that point before, but it's like, we don't really feel like pulling a trigger sometimes, so we can't call that suicide. I never actually thought about killing myself or planning it out, so some of us never really thought about suicide, but I wanted to get far, far away from my environment, far, far away from my circumstance, far, far away from everything. We see it all the time, you know, movies and shit. They tell the story of the dude who came from the... The, the country family or like, welcome home, Roscoe Jenkins. You feel me? His name was Roscoe Jenkins. When he went off or whatever the case may be, he changed the name to RJ. When he came back, he like, if you watched it, watch that movie. The son had to run the fuck away. He had to get the fuck away. And when he came back, everybody looked at him like he was crazy. Oh, you a sellout. You this, that, and the third. You ran away from your people. You this, that, and like all of this. And they kept doing them but criticizing. They had a scene at the end where he said, Daddy, give me some credit. He said, you always giving him some credit. He ain't even your son. Give me some credit. And you seen what he was running away from. You seen what he had to get the fuck away from. Suicide is when you're desiring to take yourself away. The core of it is just to blow your brains out and end your life. People look at it as, oh, why would you try to end your life? I'm not trying to end my life. I'm trying to take myself away from this reality. 
No matter where I go, I can't escape this reality. I tried. I never leave it. No matter where I run. Because of all of the shit that I'm internalizing. And then his dad, and then Roscoe Jenkins, like, looking at his family, one of his cousins beat him up. Uh, the one that played Monique, she was fighting him and shit like that. And it's like, yo, why did you get away from here? And it wasn't until his father acknowledged him. He said, the only reason why I took that kid in is because he didn't have a father. And he said, in taking him and giving him a father, you took mine away. Nobody gave a fuck. Nobody gave a fuck because you're supposed to be grateful that I'm in your life. But he took my spot, Pop. He took my spot from me. So now I got to get away to find that spot. It's black men right now. Our suicide rates are increasing. The standard for what we have to be to maintain ourselves as men is increasing. And it's almost like we can't keep up. And then we're still poised to have to maintain being around black people. This is not a self-hatred post. I mean, a self-hatred rant. Don't get me wrong. Please don't feel like that. But I'm speaking on the collective right now because it's like, why do you get? Because a lot of it is tied to our trauma. We don't trauma bond with people outside of our race. We can't because they don't have our trauma. They can't bond with us in that regard. They can remind us that it's not that serious. They can undermine it. Oh, you're playing the race card. Bitch, the race card is in the deck. The fuck you mean? But now, when I'm able to deal with somebody or a woman who doesn't know my trauma, she can listen to my pain. Again, I'm not condoning it. Because I've learned how to, you know, converse with my sisters the right way to say, look, I know that you hurt in the way that I'm hurting too, but I just want to let you know how this is affecting me. And I need to know how it's affecting you too so we can work together. You feel what I'm saying? But it's, Instead, we get the, well, you a man. Get get over that shit. You feel me? Black men are supposed to be, you know, this, that, and the third. Black men are supposed to be, I get it. We are. And I'm supposed to be your protector and provider. But in order for me to protect and provide for you, you have to nurture and sustain me. Men, we have to earn. See, we have to default protection and provision, but we have to earn. Nurturing is sustaining. This is why I say respect is to men what love is to women. As men, we have to earn respect, but we have to default love to women. You dig what I'm saying? But respect is to men what love is to women. Women need to be loved. We need to be respected. Not feared, respected, because that respect is what keeps us from having to feel the need to run away. When we have to get away is because we're not in a space where we're being respected. We're being tolerated. We're being seen as burdens. We're being seen as whatever it is that we're being seen as. And it causes us to implode. Causes us to carry on these burdens and these things and these systems within ourselves that make us say, you know what? Fuck it. On paper, on paper, I can't be a good black man. It's impossible. If I'm 5'11", I'm out. If I ain't got a beer, I'm out. 
That's just physical shit. You feel me? I got to be making six figures. You feel me? I got to be emotionally sound, emotionally available to a motherfucker who don't want to hear my emotions. I got to be that for you. I have to be your emotional sounding board for you, but you don't have to hear my shit. Okay, how the fuck does that work? Men are just emotionally unavailable. You're emotionally unavailable because it's about reciprocity. Why would I be emotionally available to a motherfucker who can't be emotionally available for me? Think about it. You feel me? So I'd run away. You feel me? I will opt to run away. And fortunately, through the implosion, when we're on that verge of implosion, running away is what leads us to suicide. And don't forget to check out Cafe Clothing, formerly Just Seen's merch. Get all of your intricate designs crafted specifically for the melanated being to develop a positive imagery within self and to have a little bit of fun in the process. From the peace, love, knowledge, and freedom to the dead horses and water designs, all the styles are crafted for the imagery to make you feel as you're supposed to feel. Because as I always say, the best way to fit in is to stand out. And what better way to stand out than with your exclusive styles of Cafe clothing? All right. I'm going to go ahead and end it there. I'm going to go ahead and end it there. A lot of this, like I said, this comes from dealing with starting, like, trying to build a relationship with my dad and understand what the fuck he did, what he did. It's different speaking to him as a man now. It's still fucked up, nigga. You don't run away out of your responsibilities. I get it, though. I get it, though. He ran away. He ran away because he couldn't handle it. He was trying to take on a task that he never learned how to do. And I get it. Well, he shouldn't have been fucking. Okay, cool. Nobody should have been fucking then at that point because a lot of us don't have that. You know what I mean? We're encouraged to fuck, but we're not encouraged to be fathers. We're encouraged to fuck, but we're not encouraged to be husbands. We're encouraged to fuck, but we're not encouraged to be boyfriends. We're encouraged to fuck, but we're not encouraged to have anything. You know why we encourage the fucking, why we get so wrapped up in the fucking? Because that is the only time we're able to have good feelings. Fucking keeps us from imploding sometimes. If a child comes out of it, so be it. I ain't justifying this shit, but I understand a little bit more. He was running away. He was running away. You feel me? I was coward. The cowardice made a choice. You feel me? It wasn't like he had to run away. Like, you know what I'm saying? But you never know how people are, what people are built for and what people ain't. You feel me? But that same shit, it was a reciprocated process because I'm like, what am I running away from? I was running away from the pain of trying to heal from my homeboy's death and I mastered in other things. Like, I want to do this. I want to do this. And like, fortunately, and I'm lucky enough that I don't that I was never married and I don't have any kids in the process. Because I was, I would have been repeating that cycle, like, yo, I got to get my shit together, y'all. I can't like, I can't get my shit together with kids. Because it's like, y'all never stop. Y'all need every ounce of me, right? But as a man, like I said, these are the little intricacies that we all have to. We all have to hold on to, and it, it it 
it makes us view the world for one as it's supposed to be viewed, but for two, from a perspective of I got to be perfect at all times. I got to be absolutely perfect at all times. And that fucks with us, you know, mostly, largely because we're not prepared for it. Nobody teaches us the ways of dealing with our emotions. You feel me? Nobody teaches the ways of dealing with our feelings. Nobody teaches the ways of experiencing life and constantly processing the trauma that we face. So we just extend the thresholds for the traumas that we have and we don't address it. We just become violent, volatile, all this other crazy shit because it's all we have. Nobody listens. Nobody listens. Case in point. There's a new thing come out called Soft Girl Era <laughs> or some shit like that. I'm going to be in my Soft Girl Era or whatever the case may be. And when it was like, I'm speaking softer. I'm using like my actual feminine voice. And I was like, so basically all the shit the men were telling y'all we needed y'all to do to be our peace. <laughs> shit was fucking crazy. I said, y'all serious right now. So when we said be our peace, which was what y'all are now doing in the Soft Girl Era. Y'all being peaceful. Y'all are developing into women that y'all are, y'all are now trending because that's really what it is. It's going to go back to motherfuckers being aggressive, acting like niggas again with their testosterone. But as of right now, I hope I hope it really is an error in the States. But as of right now, and then the women say, we're not doing this for men. You were never supposed to do it for men. It was supposed to naturally be you. But if you're going to be my peace, you need to be in this space. That's all we was telling you. We was telling you we don't like fucking with niggas. We don't like testosterone. And that's what you leading with. You feel what I'm saying? So now they're like, oh, this new, and it's like, yo, that's what we've been telling y'all we want y'all to be this whole time. And you know what y'all said? Be your own damn peace. Be your own peace. But from the context of what they're saying, they'll be their peace when it's, when they'll be our peace when it can be beneficial to them. Wow. Wow. Do you know what that's saying to us? You know what that shows us? You knew all along what it took for you to be the woman. And this, this is what I'm saying. Like, when women say shit like, I'll be more feminine for the right man. Wow. But as a man, this goes back to implosion shit. As a man, I have to be 100% masculine to even entertain you. Imagine that. If a man really came to a woman and said, you know what? When I find a woman who's feminine enough, I'll be masculine for her. That would never fly. It don't fly. But these are things that we got to take on as men. That goes into the arsenal of the shit that we have to hold on to. So now when you develop the shit, you get the men to go the other way. When you get the men, it's like, when people send me shit like that, I know they be looking like, oh, it's because you're you're here. You like this, that, and the third. I understand everything that they saying. I get it. See, that's the thing about understanding. I may not agree with your... Um, I may even reject your stance, but I understand where your stance is coming from to give me the capacity to either accept or reject. You feel me? But I understand where your stance is coming from. I understand that these men are like, and women love to hear me talk about that because it gives them hope. Oh, there's some men that are good out there and mm, there's some fucked up women that like, you know, y'all can be fucked up. Y'all can really be fucked up and we have to own your fuck ups. Imagine, imagine what it's like to know that I can be telling you how you hurt my feelings and I still have to consider how you're feeling about it. Think about that. How many times as men has a woman done some fucked up shit to us and we had to fix it? 
when my girlfriend cheated, this is when I knew I was dealing with a narcissist, but I didn't know the word or the term and everything. When I got cheated on and I'm venting, I'm like going, I'm like, yo, bitch, you crazy. You, you played me. Yo, why the fuck you done? She says, <laughs> she says, I'm going to have to call you back. This hurts too much. I said, bitch, you hurt me. How in the fuck does this hurt? Why do you have to? How do you get to run away from the situation because you hurt me and you don't want to see my pain? Because you didn't think I could hurt this hard. You didn't think I could hurt this bad. And you inflicted that shit on me anyway. You feel what I'm saying? Tying that into what I was just saying. How many times as men has a woman done some fucked up shit to us and we address it and she makes it about her? She tells us how her fuck up is hurting her more than we're hurt. And we're the ones trying to fix her hurt. Like, you know what? I'm going to make sure you good so that way I can be good now. You feel me? Shit's trash. And this is why I'm able to understand how men can say, I don't want to deal with that shit. Because women don't want to be accountable for that shit. They don't want to sit there and say, you know what? I did some fucked up shit to this man. No. What about all of the shit you did to me? We're not talking about all the shit that I did to you. We're talking about what we're talking about in this moment right now. All of the shit that we talked about that I had to eat, all of the shit that I owned, all of the shit that you say you forgave me for that you still bring it back up and you keep it in the holster so when you do some shit to me, you can justify it. We got to eat that as men. That caters to our implosions. And the bare minimum we ask is that, you know what? Let's just go half. Let's just go half because you're not going to give me shit. Everything, everything I get out of you, I have to earn. Everything you get out, out of me is defaulted. That's not fair. That's not fair. But that's something that I have to internalize as a man. And that's something that I have to constantly consider whenever I'm looking at the bigger picture of our relationship. Happy wife, happy life. Fuck you. Fuck that. That's crazy. That's stupid as fuck. Why well, niggas ain't saying happy spouse, happy house? You can rhyme with that shit too. No. Happy wife, happy life. Just give your wife everything. Fuck no. Fuck no. Because at that point, we're no longer acknowledging that we matter. And that caters to our implosions. Which now makes us want to run away. So it's like, oh, he gets caught up in this. I even seen this one post where this lady was like, she was like, her boyfriend was wilding and doing some crazy. Like he was in the backyard playing with a broom, like acting like he was a ninja and shit. And she literally recorded the video, posted on TikTok and made a joke about it. (laughs) He was in his most vulnerable state, having fun, minding his own fucking business. And they wonder why men just get stuck in video games. They don't actually invite you into the creative shit they do. You feel me? There's a lot of shit that I never, I, I ain't gonna say never, but that's, I've learned not to bring women into anymore that I'm involved with. I literally recorded music with the girlfriend before. Got her on the track. She couldn't even rap, but I put her up there because it's like, this is what I do. She made me hate music for for a time. You feel me? But I'm saying that to say this, like our most vulnerable states don't necessarily have, they're not always going to coincide with what a woman likes. So now most men 
the escape that's allowable is video games. Women ain't gonna play no video. You have women that are gamers, but a lot of them don't. They're not gonna play video games. Oh, that's all you do is like that's my piece. Since you won't be it, you feel me? This is what's gonna keep me from imploding on your ass. Not only imploding on your ass, imploding on myself and leaving this entire thing a mess. Because now what happens if I fuck up? In trying to take myself away, I fuck up and I don't. You feel me? Motherfuckers, and then it's like motherfuckers be trying to guilt you. Oh, suicide is a coward's way out. That's messed up. No, it's not the coward's way out. That's not the coward's way out. It's actually a very bold thing. It's like, well, to avoid, to, to even contemplate suicide and not do it. For a motherfucker to say, yo, thinking about suicide is a coward's way out. The sole fact that you called me a coward because I thought about it. When really the bigger picture was that I didn't go through it because I knew how it would leave you. I considered everybody around me before I did the shit. Before I took myself away, I considered everybody around me. Who's the real coward in that situation? But these are things that are compounded within us that make us implode on ourselves. And when you implode on yourself and you're in the process of imploding on yourself, you're at the point of trying to get away. So like I was saying, four years ago, my homeboy died. Homeboy was killed. And I ran away. I had to get away and didn't know where to go. So I ran into entrepreneurship. I was already an entrepreneur, but I dove deeper into it. I just, just have the shit I was just doing just because center off frames. Some of that shit was just, what next? Just because. And it really had no rhyme and no reason to it. But as I sit now and I sit and observe it, I got to deal with it. There's nothing I can escape anymore because it's here. It's with me. I can't run away from me. But I'm also at the point where I can know I can't implode because if I implode, I already know what's going to happen. You feel me? And so I'm facing it. And for one, this is, I know this is a very deep episode, heavy episode. It's from one black man to another. I want to say, take your time with the things that you need to get done and with the things that you need to do within yourself. It's okay. It's not problematic. It's not something that, you know, you know, get your shit right. Get your shit right. Um... Take your time. Don't don't allow anybody to rush how you need to heal. Don't anybody don't allow anybody to tell you when you're feeling when you're okay to feel good. If they can't fuck with you because you're in it, fuck them. Fuck them. If you can't be around people because they can't like, there's people that I had to cut off because every time I try to bring my situation to them, they'll flip it and tell them about, oh well, here's my situation. No, I don't give a fuck about your situation right now. I already know about a lot of your situation, but I'm trying to bring my situation to you so I can get the shit out of me. I'm always there for you in your situations. What about me and mine? Before you implode, you need to learn how to process that. Our suicide rates are entirely too high. And it's because we're imploding. And we're trying to get away and we can't escape. So, from one black man to another black man. I love you, bro. Um...
I see you. Um, please, please, please don't, don't allow this world to make you keep running away from yourself. Take the time you need, get therapy, counseling, whatever the fuck you want to call it, meditate, do whatever is necessary to really shift that focus. So you do not implode. Do not work the shit away. Work through the shit. All right. I'm going to end it there. Go kiss your babies. Make sure they eat their vegetables. And for the future, let's make sure we are allowing our sons to not internalize too much pain. Implosion starts at a young age. The impending implosion begins at a young age. When we're not allowing, we're not valid. When we're invalidating our son's feelings, you good. You're a big boy. These things, when we start with that shit, the implosion starts there. It starts there. And we need to get to a point where we're no longer sitting in that space to make that a reality for our sons. Because this world is getting worse and worse, faster and faster. And our sons are having to adapt to it a lot faster and they can't. They can't. Rather than adapting to this world or they're resilient, we need to make sure they have the skills to maneuver. If we struggle as men, what the fuck do you think a child is doing? How in the fuck do we process in our minds that children are stronger than us? That is the most stupid reality ever. This is why we end up saying shit like do as I say, not as I do. Because you acknowledge that I'm literally bestowing and putting an onus of power and strength over a child that I do not have. That's stupid as fuck. And we need to stop putting that burden on our babies. Because it's fucking them up. And if our sons are being fucked up, they can't be the necessary protectors and providers they need to be. But they need to understand what it is to protect and provide for their motherfucking self. Mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. We already got physical down pack. But mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, we need to protect and provide for ourselves First, because if we can't do it for ourselves, we're no good for anybody else. We owe that to our sons because it was not given to us. So I'm going to end it there. Go kiss your babies. Make sure they eat their vegetables. And I'm going to see y'all all on it. I'm going to see y'all all on the next one. Peace, love, knowledge, and freedom. I'm out.